Hey guys, and welcome to Kunai. It's me, Bish, and I am joined with Will. Hello, hello. Will, you know what, Will? That was the same intro that Jordan Dash Cruz gave on yesterday when he was on the podcast. Well, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Have you been speaking with him? Total coincidence. No, I have not. I have not had the pleasure. Uh, you know what? You should. He's a, he's an awesome guy. And speaking of Jordan Dash Cruz, he's in the film that we're going to be talking about today. And you might be thinking, Bish, film? What is this about? I thought Kunai was for anime. Yes, it is. Kunai is for anime, but we're testing out a new show format in Kunai, which is basically focusing on anime films. And the reason why we're doing that is, you know, just so we can get more content out for you guys. We're still going to have the same regular Kunai episodes, and they're still going to come out at the regular scheduled time. But this is just additional content for you guys. And there's a lot of anime films out there that we want to talk about. And unfortunately, because of how Kunai was in the past, we weren't able to do it. We did try it in in the past but we were like new to podcasting or new to anime and so it didn't work well so now that we've got like a more solidified kunai show format we're testing this out and hopefully this works and tell us what you guys think as well if you like this new style of kunai with anime films please tell us and give us some suggestions but that being said for you new folks get a life podcast kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the get a life group due to the nature of discussion we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed but those shows that are based on an existing piece of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or some other media form, we're not going to be covering the source material for those. If you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode on Kunai, leave us a suggestion on our Discord. And big thanks to our sponsors, Japan Crate and Crunchyroll. I also want to thank uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment and Funimation UK for providing us with an early access preview for the film. Did I mention the name of the film, Will? Did I say what the name of was not yet i haven't okay so i've been talking no. about this film and i haven't even mentioned it the name of the film it is called sing a bit of harmony that is the english name for the film i can't remember what the japanese name was and i'm not even going to try pronouncing it yeah sing a bit of harmony tells the story of the beautiful and mysterious shion who transfers to keibu high school where she quickly becomes popular for her open-hearted personality and exceptional talents but she turns out to be an ai in the testing phase shion's goal is to bring the cro oh my god this is funimation's press release by the way the chronic loner subtle me happiness but the strategy is something no human would expect i mean to be fair that's a pretty good uh uh you know description it is a pretty i mean it's, it's yeah. a pretty good description but chronic yeah. loner that's pretty harsh they're basically calling satomi a loser i feel bad reading that the synopsis from funimation was interesting but basically what this film is about it's about a um high school students satomi who's basically just going through high school life and her mom works for this electronics company that develops ai and her mom has developed an ai and is testing them at the school without the school's knowledge which is kind of scary and kind of crazy in that sense the film is actually co-produced by funimation I, i'd imagine that they're on the production committee of some sort as well as jc staff you guys know kunai if you guys know me you'd know that jc staff is one of my favorite 
favorite animation studios. They've done Golden Time. They've done Toradora, which is my favorite anime. So going into this, I was really excited just from JC staff alone. And it runs for 109 minutes. That was also on the um, on the press release. So, Will. It was longer than that, though. Is it? Yeah, yeah. When I watched it, it ran for 148 minutes, but like 12 minutes of that's credits. Is it 148 minutes or one hour 48 I'm sorry. One, I'm sorry. It's one hour 48 minutes. I'm yeah. sorry. I, you're right. That's it. Oh, my gosh. I'm stupid. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I'm glad you know, which works out to be 109 minutes. Oh, Will. yeah, I know. I just did the math in my head. Okay, I'm sorry. Will, and you're a teacher. You yes, yes. You can't However, do basic math. No, don't say oh, I'm an no, English no, teacher. No. Blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah, exactly. And math is my worst subject when I was a student, so. Well, this is not a good excuse, okay? I don't accept that. I have no excuses. Oh, you have Pity no excuse. me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what was your first impressions? Because obviously, we're both new to this film. I didn't know much about it, but I'll, I have a little bit more of a story. But what was your first impressions when I told you to, to watch it? Because this film aired in Japan in October. Were you aware of the film as it was getting its theatrical release in Japan? Yes, I was aware of it, but it was one of those things where it was like out of sight, out of mind. I didn't remember the movie being a thing in Japan until we were talking earlier today and you know, reminding me to watch it and how to and all that kind of stuff. But I definitely remember seeing the posters, you know, around in various stores, malls, you know, near actual movie theaters, things like that. But, you know, other than that, I didn't really notice too much about it until going and actually watching it today. So I don't really know how it was marketed, even here in Japan. But uh, yeah, up until watching it today, I don't remember seeing or hearing much about it beforehand. Which is kind of interesting because the press in the UK and I mean, even in Europe, there's Jake. Jacob was telling me that only yesterday that there was some people on German TV and bear in mind he lives in Austria so there are people on German TV like interviewing the German voice actors on German national television so I have a feeling yeah. that it's probably going to be a lot bigger in the western world compared to Japan and I find it kind of funny too because typically if there is like a big anime production movie the theater that's actually just down the road from me it's like about 40 minutes to take get there by train typically get whenever there's you know a big movie and I do remember when I was in that mall that there were you know posters for it so I'm sure they did get it but usually I at least hear chatter from like my students and stuff like that because where I live is actually a really big kind of manga and anime hotbed so like the town that I live in is where Gegege no Kitaro comes from oh okay and I'm only a few train stops away from where Detective Conan comes from mm -hmm. so a lot of the young people around here like manga and anime is actually a big part of their culture mm -hmm. they all are talking about it all the time like the, the kids at my school are always borrowing each other's books and manga and the, like in between classes like they get on their chromebooks and they're watching stuff about anime like uh, they love of course things like you know Kimetsu no Yaiba here and Haikyuu etc so I was really surprised that this was just kind of a low-key release even around where I am you know I'm surprised by that because it's even 
won like awards in like uh, like film festival awards in Japan and even in the UK because there's Scotland Loves Anime which is basically uh, I don't know how to explain it but it's like a film festival that is sort of taking place across a few cinemas in Scotland and they just all they do is just air the films and people go and watch it and a lot of the time yes you do get anime fans coming to watch these anime films but a lot of the time it, you might see like elderly couples or like mm. just regular non-anime fans just coming in seeing what's in the cinema going to watch it and it's quite interesting because I have a feeling that a lot of people going to watch this film obviously they won't know much about it other than you know what's being promoted because it is an original story but at the same time I have a feeling that you're going to get a lot of people that aren't anime fans coming to watch this film and probably this might be their first exposure or an early exposure to anime. This might come off sounding kind of strange. Clearly by just looking at this movie you can definitely tell it's an anime but not just because of like the music involvement in it but just like the pacing the tone something about it feels very almost like disney-esque about yes. it like if you yes. like if you were to if you were to say like a disney co-produced you know anime production i'd be like okay i can see it i do get that vibe and we'll talk about it later on but in terms of my first impressions obviously i only knew about this because i got an email from funimation i want to give them a shout out because they're really cool so i've been speaking to paula from of Funimation Press because they're really cool people and the only reason I knew about this is because they reached out to me. They were like, Bish, does this interest you? And I was like, what? I've never had press teams actually go out of their way to, to figure out what I like and just send me emails and say, does, is this of interest to you? Would you want to produce press coverage for it? And I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't even know it was a JC Staff anime at this point. I looked at the art design and I was like, well, it seems pretty decent, but I don't know what it's about. And I saw the name Sing A Bit Of Harmony and I was like, Ugh, is this going to be like your lie in April or like, you know, those anime where there's a lot of singing. I always mm -hmm. find that those animes just they they're going to be depressing. That's just my opinion. I just find that when there's an anime that has a lot of singing, it's expected to be depressing. So I was like, OK, I'm not really that interested in it. I got that press release in August and I sort of laid down a little bit. I wasn't really paying attention to it because the film hadn't come out in Japan yet. And then after it come out in Japan, I got another email from Funimation saying this is the cast list. And I saw Jordan, Dash Cruz. I was like, oh my God, he's been on the podcast. He's such a cool guy. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to arrange a recording with them. And I'm going to go and say to Funimation, hey, we did a recording with Jordan. And we want to, you know, produce some, some really uh, awesome press coverage for the film. They were like, that's awesome. And they gave, obviously, me a viewing link or whatever. And it's pretty weird watching anime before it releases, if that makes sense. I, I oh, felt absolutely. a bit awkward. Because no, it was, it. normally when you watch anime, uh, you get that sort of reaction reaction from Twitter there's people live tweeting there's people like like oh my god this is amazing this is episode one this is blah 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 and mm -hmm. you get to enjoy in that conversation but when it's just you and your team you know I don't even know if you were going to be able to view this so it might have just been me you know what I mean so when you have that sort of responsibility on you you can't discuss with anyone about it it gets a bit lonely if that makes sense and that's not the experience that I like in having if that makes sense when I'm going in watching anime especially with anime films I like going and watching it in cinemas because 
because you're in the room with the same sort of people. You know people are only there because they like anime, right? So they're going to react in a certain way when something happens. There's, there's more of a vibe to it. Not just anime, but anything at a movie theater. It's its own experience, you know? That's why we go to the movies even to this day. And this is why, you know, anytime there's like a new big movie, why it always just blows up because you're just experiencing it with all those people at the same time. And it's the same thing is why we always, when we talk about anime, one of the more common terms that we tend to talk about anyway is the anime community because we all part of the same community. This is why we talk about it all the time. It's why we're always on Twitter and message boards and forums and all that type of stuff. Whether we agree or not, it is still a community that we're all a part of. So I can understand that whole thing about it. It's like, it'd be really weird for me just to see this, not only early, but alone. Yeah, and I think for me as well is the fact that I know if COVID wasn't a thing, we'd all be probably invited to like a press screening with other members of the press, right? So that may have been a different sort of experience or, you know, we may have gone and watched it with some, you know, other anime journalists or early screening with fans and stuff like that. But because having to watch it in isolation it's kind of it's a different experience and I, I think it adds to the first impressions as well because I wasn't getting my normal cinema experience right because when I go to the theaters when I go to the movies I was saying this with Jordan on the previous episode but when I go to the cinema I like to buy snacks right I like my nachos I get like a slushy I get a bag of M&Ms <laughs> and some popcorn I, I pig out right I have to get everything at the cinema it's not only that it's also the fact that when you go to the cinema right you can sneak in snacks i don't know if that's a thing because what? i what you know like Why, this is the first i'm hearing no, of dude, this. you know what i mean because you know like an american no TV, i don't know what yes you, you mean. know you know i have no idea what you know, you're, you're talking american, about you know what I'm talking sneaking about. snacks into sneaking. a movie theater my gosh you criminal you know i what? can't believe I tell this you i'm something. gonna report you go you can report me because it's not illegal in the uk there's <laughs> nothing in the terms of service because you know when you're watching american tv and you're sort of conditioned not to bring snacks into a movie theater because it's like oh it's illegal they'll kick you out or they'll do this or do that but there's nothing in the terms of service in the uk at least for the cinemas that i go to nothing prevents you from bringing in your own snacks or your own drinks or whatever but i still like to sneak them in because i feel as though like <laughs> I'm a spy. Like I'm. Look, I'll go to Costco like and I'll you're bring. Like in the, MI5. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like MI5. Like James Bond. You know what I mean? 007. Like I'll bring in my snacks. I'll go to Costco because the cinema that I go to is conveniently placed because it's in Wembley Stadium, right? What's well, near Wembley Stadium? So Costco is near there as well. So I'll go to Costco. I'll buy myself a hot dog from Costco. I'll buy myself a soda from Costco, and then <laughs> um, I'll bring because you can buy bags of popcorn from Costco as well. So I'll buy a bag of popcorn. I'll buy like what else i would buy like tortilla chips and like nacho cheese and some jalapenos <laughs> i bring them with me or i'll buy some m&ms and you know that kind of stuff because cinema food is so expensive for no reason yeah. I mean, that's probably where they make their money, I guess. Because most of the ticket sales actually goes back to the distributors of the movie itself. The, the theaters only get a small take of the ticket sales, so they make it up in the snack bar. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but I mean, I will always get one thing at the cinema, though. Slushy. I'll always get a slushy because it's like, you guys probably, I don't I'm, know if you have them in the US, like 
slushies at the oh yeah oh yeah absolutely man i mean there's all kinds of different you know names for them and brands and things like that so obviously like the uh in america probably like the most popular well-known one is uh from uh, 7-eleven you can get slurpees yeah but i mean do you get them at the cinema oh yeah oh yeah uh, i mean i used to work at a movie theater a long time ago and we we had them yeah Oh, okay, definitely. Because cool. I mean, in the UK, you only get like this. It's uh, a company called Tango, which is basically they make drinks that are like it's basically Pepsi's equivalent of Fanta, mm. but they do like special flavors for the slushies, like blueberry, raspberry, and like nice. lemon lime. Like I, I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy! And I always get like the biggest size. Anyway, I know that's a bit weird, but it's just my mm, point no, being no, no, is that I was so I felt as though I was robbed of that experience. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I get it. It's it's weird because I, I'm I'm really old fashion when it comes to uh movie theater stuff i just like a you know a nice coke and a big old thing of popcorn only light butter though i don't like a whole See, lot this of is, butter this is the thing i never understood but that butter sauce is disgusting like i've seen it like butter shouldn't be coming out of a pump that's one thing and it feels like i don't know it reminds me of that gross butter dip from papa john's oh uh, uh the, the the garlic sauce i actually like that stuff uh, I know what you're about. well okay you disappoint me hey man you gotta understand i'm a i'm a southern boy we will put butter in anything yeah, I mean, you can go to you can go to st state fairs and and get deep fried butter oh my okay that's disgusting but all right um uh, yeah. do they have butter popcorn in japan like have you been to a movie theater oh yeah japan? oh yeah dude i love going to the movie theater that's what i was gonna say earlier is that of like covid and all this stuff like if it wasn't for that i'm i love going to the movies regardless like you know i'm the type of person i'll go to at least a movie a month if not you know twice a month type thing but now because of covid like i, I think i think the last movie i went to go see was maybe i think it was godzilla versus kong I think that was the last one I went to go see. So, and then before that, I think the last one I saw was the last Detective Conan movie. So when you're watching films in Japan, it's it's all in Japanese, right? It depends on the movie, but like if it comes from like America, then, you know, it'll be English with Japanese, like, Japanese subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. But what about, because uh, exactly. you mentioned Detective Conan, like, was you watching that in Japanese without... I was I was watching it, no, I was just straight watching it raw, but it's one of the things, like, I mean, everyone knows Detective Conan, and once you've watched it enough or read it enough, you can still kind of pick up what's going on, and like, you know, and also, it's anime that's still meant for kids, so the dialogue itself is usually not as rushed mm -hmm. if that makes sense makes sense so yeah. like you said i can i can pick up enough on my limited japanese to still kind of get the gist of it and i just i you know i wanted to do it for the experience anyway i will say this from now that when the film releases because it releases next week so by the time this episode goes out the film probably would have ended its theatrical release so next week i'm probably going to because i had my booster jab today uh because you gotta stay safe so i had my booster jab specifically because I do want to go out and watch this film in the theaters because like I said I feel that I was robbed of that experience like I'm very grateful that you know I had the opportunity to view it early but it's different when you get to go and be with a bunch of people and i think this is a type of film that i feel that a lot of people will enjoy because there's so many favorite episodes and moments for me do you feel that there are any moments favorite that... episodes oh sorry 
apologies. <laughs> favorite, you just made favorite moments. Favorite moments. Do you feel yeah. like there's any favorite moments for you within this film? Absolutely. I had to actually go back and watch it because I liked it so much. That was the judo dance. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Judo dance. You know what else I liked? I liked all the scenes where you have Xion coming in to resolve people's situations because she resolves it in such a way that is unique to that character, right? If it was in mm -hmm. the case of Thunder with the judo dancing scene. And there's always a musical accompaniment to it as well. So there's always her singing at the same time, which is it's quite nice and it's quite quaint. Like even the bit with Aya, you know, that fight that she was having with her boyfriend. And then she just sings and it sort of diffuses the situation. They're saying what they need to say without saying it. And I think Xion picks up on that and she sort of does it for them, if that makes sense. She helps them to grow. And those were my favorite like sort of moments in the movie because it's like you get to see people progress as characters. And obviously they're progressing quite quickly because you only have two hours of screen time or an hour and a half in this case so you have to sort of pace it quite differently and you have to make sure characters issues get resolved within that hour and a half because you can't rely on oh you know what it's 24 episodes or whatever you know what i mean but it's not just that it's you know only like an hour and a half long movie but also that the story takes place primarily over the course of like five days it takes course over five days but it's structured in such a way where is it truly believable do you know what i mean like i get it it's structured over five days but these are people that really didn't speak to each other much at the beginning of the week i think that's part of how the actual kind of story and plot grow along as it kind of peels back those layers you come to find out that all these characters you know not counting Xion, but you know the other boys and girls that they all kind of came up to Together. They've all known each other for years. They've all actually had their eyes on each other in one way or one form. They've all paid attention to each other. They just haven't kind of congealed in a while. Like they, there's some that, you know, that they were friends once, but they hadn't spoken in years. Other just in passing. They just happen to be in the same class together. Like I said, Xion just kind of becomes the glue to fix them. Yeah. So like, like kind of just even going with the name of the movie itself think of that word harmony itself mm. harmony means balance basically so i think this whole thing of like you know saying singing harmony it was about bringing their friendships back together and striking a balance within their lives and like you notice as they kind of got back to being friends again how it was making their lives more enjoyable and how they're becoming more happy and how they've you know potentially gone on you know to maybe even have better lives in the future and that whole theme of happiness keeps coming up repeatedly mostly from Xion just asking you know Satomi like every time she like sees her new in the day or whatever time it is she's like are you happy are you happy the way Xion is as a character yes she is an AI and her goal is to serve orders right it's the fact that she truly cares about everyone I have a feeling that her main order was to make Satomi happy right but in doing right. so she's making everyone else happy uh, exactly because they even say it in the film because I believe Satomi says you make me happy right so it's like there's this realization that Xion is more than just a robot. You know, she is a part of the friend group. She is, for all intents and purposes, a human being. And it's it's very interesting because in a lot of Western media, or even in films in general, if we're talking about old school shows like Knight Rider, right, where you have Kit, the car, 
or you have 2001 a space odyssey you know where you have hal and or even irobot right ai and like artificial intelligence aren't always portrayed in the best fashion you know there's always this trope that they start out good and they're helping out humanity and the next thing they're just killing people I was kind of making some of the similar, like, kind of mental notes. Because we kind of joke about it even now with things that are going on with AI in the in the real world now. And, like, people are memeing and joking all the time. And, like, oh, you know, here comes the rise of the machines and all that kind of stuff. But that's one thing that I noticed right off the bat, too, with this movie. It's, like, within the first couple scenes, it's clearly shown how in this, this world of this anime that AI has kind of just naturally been embedded into society yes. now i don't know if this is supposed to be like near future japan alternate reality japan because where the movie's actually set is on a, a small island just off the the mainland of you know kyushu here here in japan which it is actually kind of like even though it has you know a nice city and stuff like that it is kind of um i don't want to say isolated but it's its own kind of little world just off of japan so and i think it was kind of a good choice for setting for this as well but like i said in their town ai is just integrated into everything by like the, this one main company there this this hoshima you know electronics and hoshima labs but it's integrated into a way where it's not what's the word i'm looking for well, there's no interference yeah there's no interference there's no it's like you see the solar farm and the wind farm off the course of the of the beach and in, in the ocean it's like okay that you can kind of kind of see but like even like the little garbage robots going around they don't really get in the way uh, you've got the bus driving robot where the bus itself is an ai you know they have the specific paths for the ai everything just flows naturally you know and even like how it was still a traditional old japanese style home yeah. town where everybody was they still had like the ai built into like the doors and the tv so it was futuristic but not overly futuristic yeah. like like even when they were using their computers it still looked like a computer that we could recognize now but we could tell it still fit into that era of being you know modernized or you know maybe in the near future this is quite interesting because it's something that i noted on as well because like i mentioned if you're looking at the older stuff you know whether we're looking at the jetsons or you know like i said knight rider or even with irobot a film and media always portray the future to be this amazing crazy thing and have to go all out with design and, and stuff like that and even if you look at like disney's home of the future right everything is sort of automated but when i saw this i didn't feel as though it was out of place because you get a lot of anime that's set in the future like even if you look at something like plastic memories which it has something like the ai theme is quite similar to it but plastic memories the cars are designed differently the phones are like little holograms and stuff like that and it's like way into the future if that makes sense like even mm -hmm. the bikes the motorcycles look like you know mopeds that you could buy today it's just they've got ai integrated locks or the buses don't look any different than normal buses that you get today or as you mentioned the traditional japanese house that satomi lives in the only thing it is is that she's got like the ai that locked the doors right or her little i i kind of compare it to like an amazon or a Google Home Assistant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's basically like that. And that's technology that we have already, right? With smart home technology, we already have like, hey, turn off my lights. Hey, 
lock my doors. You can already do that, but it's sort of gotten to a point where I feel as though this would be the more logical step, if that makes sense. It's not far off what we have at the moment. And I feel that that setting is quite relatable. So even when I saw the characters, it's not like, oh, these are just characters living in the future. They've got their future problems, but you don't really see. And I, I think another thing is that they've also given solutions because everyone sort of nowadays in terms of, because I know I'm dipping into themes a bit here, but in terms of AI, people are very afraid because they're like, well, what if an AI starts thinking for itself and goes on a killing rampage and, and does all of this kind of stuff? But the anime, which is weird because it's an anime giving you the solution, right? The anime has a fail safe there. You know, people can bring out their phones and just emergency shut down the device and only a human can override it. They've even given solutions to the many problems people sort of find with AI. And I think even the depiction of the AI in the show, they're friendly robots. Like even the bit at the end, right, where Xion sort of takes control of all the robots and stuff like that. She doesn't get them to attack. She gets them to do like wonderful dances and like just to distract the people, if that makes sense. So she doesn't even use them as a form of aggression, even when she was speaking to the Sandayu, the uh, Thunder's training robot, she just went up to him and she was like, hey, actually, you know, I communicated with him and I told him to pretend to do an attack, if that makes sense. It's not like Sandayu yeah. was programmed. You need to go and beat the shit out of these people. It was more so a theatrical thing. So it's not like the AI wanted to go and hurt people. She also referred to basically all the other AI things that she interacted with as her friends. Yes. She was like, oh, my friends, the cameras were helping me. You know, my friend, the security system, my friend, the judo robot, etc. Like she called everyone her friend. And I think also because it's the fact that she can relate to them and because she's not just only in her body, she's communicating with things over the network, right? So it's easy for her to, you know, speak to the cameras and say, hey, uh, can you just uh, delete my stuff if that's possible? Thanks, you know, stuff like that. And I think it's quite interesting because it allows for certain things to happen in the anime that normally, you wouldn't be able to do like for example when i saw the fact that you know her stuff was getting edited out originally i thought it was tatomi's mama was seeing this mm, and she was like mm -hmm, oh mm -hmm. i gotta cut this out because it might ruin the experiment so i thought originally it was actually a human intervention but the fact that uh, shion is actually communicating with the other ai to hide herself because she knows what might happen if she does get caught out I thought that was interesting well and uh, i think you know how this whole theme of ai robots however you want to say it being integrated into society and then like if you notice there was also the theme about how we as people use and treat ai where it's like these kids they actually ended up like wanting to be friends with shihan treating her like a real girl i mean even though they all knew she was ai and everything they still felt like she was their friend too it's interesting that you mentioned that because not all of the humans were like that because you see in i think Exactly. In the first scene of the film where those jerks were basically like taping the the, the, the bin and, and stuff like that. You, you beat me to it. <laughs> Wherefore, I was like, I said, yes, there were, there, there were some people, though that don't treat AI in that way. So like I said, you got to see both both sides of it. Well, even in the lab itself, you know, where the other, you know, scientist that was there with uh, Satomi's mom, where he was talking about like, you know, wiping the memory, you know, back before it was even she on, you know, when it was on the little Tamagotchi thing, or like how uh, the other guy that was like the head of their department, their program, I can't remember his name now. The director or the, the guy that's like just the head of the department? 
the guy in the suit. Not the guy that came in on the helicopter, oh. but the one, the the other one. That guy was um, such a dick, man. Like, I think it was like I think it was like Saijo or something like that. Anyway, how like they were planning on just how they could use this AI to just, you know, further grow the business if this whole experiment had succeeded. Like, you know, that they're like, you know, it's just a machine. It's our property. You know, they didn't view her as being a her, you know, or I, being a being. I'll be honest with you because I don't think their goal was to sort of use Xion as like a commercial product. Like they were use, they were saying, yes, she is our property. So we have the right they, to shut her down. But I think what it was, was it was sort of done as sabotage to prevent Satomi's mom to progress in the business because it's, it's clearly stated oh, yeah. that, you know, women in that industry don't progress and it's a very mm -hmm. male focused industry. And they, you know, they're quite misogynistic and that kind of stuff. So it feels to me like, especially that the guy, like the other technician, that's, I think he's basically, he's like five years, her senior so in his mind he's probably thinking oh my god this is just really like she's younger than me and she's going further with her career and i think mm -hmm. that might be mm -hmm. another reason why he was he wanted to wipe that tamagotchi to begin with and first of all to kind of prevent her from progressing because he probably know, knew that oh my god this is fucking amazing and i'm pretty sure if right. he had the idea for it he would have taken it and, and become a big boss you know and it's because of you know satomi's mom is the one that wrote the ai programs in the tamagotchi and then this kid who's you know like a genius at eight years old is able to take that ai and make it grow in even more and he's like that was even possible he's like and you made this right it's sort of driven by jealousy because it's like that guy clearly wanted to sabotage her initially with the tamagotchi thing and then when she sort of surpassed obviously he didn't sort of make the link that uh, Shion is based off that Tamagotchi, right? But but he still has this resentment to Asatomi's mother because obviously she's going up and up and up in the company and they're trying to figure out a way to sort of stunt her growth in the company because if the chairman sees it and he sees it as a success, then probably she might get a promotion. As far as like the whole thing about AI integrating into society and potentially being more than just a thing, it's kind of funny because when I was looking into like some of the the staff you know who worked on this and everything I noticed the person who was the actual original creator of this was uh, Yasuhiro uh, Yoshira which I've only actually ever watched one of his other movies which I watched it I didn't watch it when it came out obviously I want to say I watched it maybe about six or seven years ago called uh, Eve no Jikon mm -hmm. uh, which it's it has it's set in almost the same type of world where they're these AI people basically but they're like the workers of the world like they'll work at like a coffee shop or they work as a taxi driver stuff like that but in that world they're looked at like as lower class citizens like if you talk to them and you treat them like they're human you're kind of looked at funny so i think it kind of goes along with the theme of that. that's why it almost feels like it could potentially even be the same world as, as this movie it could be the case because i've noticed certain authors and directors sort of like to link things up even if it is um you know different studios and whatnot so part of me thinks that it is obviously a very interesting topic it's very relevant in this modern age but i, I think 
think the reactions of the characters themselves, I don't know if anyone, at least nowadays, would have this reaction, right? If you had an AI in front of you and it was speaking and you couldn't distinguish it from a human being because with Xion, it's very difficult to tell. You know, it's it's pretty obvious because even in the film, people felt that Xion was human. They just thought she was really weird. Yeah. That's like I messaged you, you know, when I was watching the movie, I'm like, this is one odd movie because I didn't get yeah. why she was acting the way she was. You don't get it until the very end of the film. So like the very first real scene with her, not the first scene, but the first real scene where we got to see Xion the person. And the first thing she does is she's like, instead of doing her class introduction, she walks straight up to Satomi, stands in front of her. She's like, Satomi, are you happy? And she's like, what? How do you know my name? Yeah, and that's that's what freaked me out a bit. And I thought maybe it might be that the mum, knowing that she goes to the same school as her daughter, probably programmed that function in so that she knows who she that's is. That's what I was thinking at first too. And I was like, it's a I was big like, curveball because it's like right. you only find out at the end that Xion was looking out for her from the very beginning and this was actually Toma's AI or modified AI and and it's the fact that it's his command because he said I want Satomi to be happy she'd literally been watching over her for almost 10 years yeah it's insane she and just I mean, didn't even know it and mm -hmm. the funny thing is if you could take that easily and make that like like some sci-fi horror very quickly you could do that but the fact that it's not that's what really but she was me. doing it in a caring way yeah. and that's why like it it didn't it didn't dawn on me until the revelation of her actually coming from that original tamagotchi ai you remember the part where aya was pissed and they were talking in the music room and she was like did you talking to satomi she was like did you order Xion to kiss gachan and she was like no i didn't do that she's like well she had to do it she can only do things by being ordered exactly. and like and then Xion even says she's yeah i only do things by being ordered but this is the whole thing it still went back to the root original order of toma telling Xion to make satomi happy so she was following that same order from day one through the entire series of events you know after she quote unquote dies she still does that but it's quite interesting because like initially the film leads you down a path and it makes you feel as though the mum is the one that's making the shots and everything because mm -hmm. you'll see flashback scenes of you know the mum and who I presume to be her ex-husband and obviously living in that household and living as a single parent and having a child it's incredibly difficult and I understand that's probably why Satomi is such a big fan of this sort of princess sort of Disney films and that kind of stuff and I think it might have been a mechanism for her parents divorce you know because a lot of kids sort of go through that you know, if their parents are getting divorced they'll find something or if there's a lot of childhood trauma in their life right they'll find something to hang on to cling on to and, and in a way obsess over it i mean for me when my father died it was gaming right i would just focus on games and and that kind of stuff and it's different for different children but it is quite interesting because she was growing up and she didn't have a friend i mean she did have toma but toma obviously left because he felt maybe he'd done something wrong because he was he saw the conversation that happened with the mum. so it's like so many things weren't being added up and you have this sort of idea at least for me that satomi's mum is kind of like the bad guy in a way like i don't know that's the kind of feeling that i had because she was like who made this and i was like oh is she saying this as in who made this like why are you getting involved in like ai this is dangerous thing i never got that she was the bad guy but i thought it was just it was just one of those things of like how adults 
adults always misunderstand children. But the thing is, she didn't misunderstand because she was proud of it. And she wanted to know who done it so that she can show it off at work. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean mi misunderstanding him. I just misunderstanding the situation. Because oh, okay. it, it was interesting for me because like even later on when the mum is drinking and she's at rock bottom because she knows I don't have a job anymore, right? And I've lost my life's work. I felt really bad. I was like, the mum is really aggressive. And it scared me a little bit, like genuinely, because it's like, you don't want to see your parents in that way. Like most children don't want to see their parents when they're at their rock bottom. And I, you know what I mean? It's not a nice thing to see. Like, it does humanize them. Don't get me wrong, because obviously we are human beings. We, we dip uh, emotionally and in terms of our mental health. But the fact that the mum was like really aggressive caught me off guard. But again, going back to how like, you know, we even both like we're talking about how how they bring up in the movie about her working in a predominantly male-driven place and how like the the, the, the men at the, these labs basically try to hold the women back and down and you know to work twice as hard so that was still kind of like her mindset of like and that's why she wasn't you know coming home till three o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning and you know why she was going into work first thing in the morning at the same time that her daughter was leaving for school things like that so she was just i don't want to say over overworked that wasn't the cause of it, but she was just trying so hard to make headway and keep moving up within the company that when something came out to where all of a sudden it's like all of her work was washed away i can't blame her for being upset and that's why she even told satomi she was like you know, you need to go on to your room before I say or do something that, you know, I don't mean to say or do. Part of me thinks that she got over it really quickly. It still showed throughout the movie that she still deeply cared for her daughter. She wasn't like the evil mom or anything like that. She was just so focused on, on her job. And Satomi actually looked out for her too. It was not just because of being mother and daughter, but they, they both took care of each other in their own ways. I mean, their relationship is quite interesting. It's almost as though they're sisters in a way. Yeah, very much, very much. One thing that I thought was funny was like towards the end where she's like, oh, mom, you know what? I'm, I'm going to buy a new skirt. And then the mom was like, well, buy one that we can both wear, you know? Mm -hmm. I, it's, and she was like, not again. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of lifestyle because obviously I think they're living together and obviously, you know, she does care for her as her, her daughter. But at the same time, it's like she's still a young woman, you know, like mm -hmm. I just feel that she's more of an older sister type as opposed to a mom. She doesn't really have the Okasan mom vibe that you normally get in anime if that makes sense i just want to touch on like uh just when i started up okay. the movie right, cool. in the in the in the first place just i loved the whole like opening cinematic yes. like that and that's what that's what kind of kind of kicked my brain off into even thinking that it was very disney-esque it kind of had that whole feeling at the start you know what i thought and, that cinematic was i didn't realize that it was part of the film you know how like in front of yeah, those anime films you get like yes. jc stuff and funimation i thought right. that this was like a splash screen for funimation i at first that's what i was thinking too but as it was like going along i'm like no this is part of the movie this is going into something like in it like you could see snippets of like the city and memories and like you know things that looked like it could be part of the internet you know and i was like okay this is going right on into the movie and then i love how they even tied it in later into the movie yes, i'm like oh that's what this was so but like i said that first impression was i was like man this already feels like very disney-esque and then like when they heard some of the musical cues too i'm like wait i'm like i know this is gonna 
have music involved. I was like, but is this an actual musical? And it kind of is, but not in that grating kind of annoying way. This I is the thing I was mentioning to Jordan yesterday. I was saying, well, it is technically it's a musical because there are musical breaks and there are cues, mm -hmm. but it's not like it doesn't feel cheesy, you know, like not only does it not feel cheesy, but it doesn't drag stuff on. It's not like they're inserting a full like four minute music video into the middle of a movie. Like, I know this is going to be kind of blasphemous for me saying this as someone who was in like drama club and took drama when I was in school, but I've never been a huge fan of musicals where like the music and the music numbers are the centerpiece of the shows. In this, it was that opposite. The musical parts and the singing parts were, I mean, some of them were a spectacle, but it's like it didn't overpower the rest of the movie. It wasn't something like high school musical where it's like every time a conflict arose or a new character came in, they had to sing a song for four minutes about it. You know what I mean? You do say that, but the conflict a lot of the time, whether it's internal struggles or in terms of romance or whatever those conflicts are resolved through music and through song but it's done in such a relaxed way it's very integrated it's not jarring that's exactly where i was going with it, it was very integrated into the overall plot and i think it made perfect sense to with using Xion in that way with her basically kind of having control and not really control but using her other AI friends to use like the PA systems and lighting systems and things like that I'm like okay that makes sense and it's not just that it's just the fact that when Xion was activated for the first time she started to sing she was singing the song from from the, the movie that e exactly uh, that like, like that sort of Disney-esque movie and it's very interesting because even when you go through her memories there are clips of the movie in her peripheral vision so she's always referring to it and she's always looking at it to find solutions right because she remembers the whole prince situation you know finding a prince because that was in the film that you know satomi used to watch as a kid so she was trying to find satomi a prince right it's that it's those sort of solutions i thought was quite interesting and even the dancing scene with sandayu right when she took over sandayu's code and she started doing the you know the judo right she was referring to the ball room scenes in that film right so it's it's very interesting but you don't tend to realize this until the end and i think it's it's done in a very very smart way because i did not understand most of this film until it's revealed to you and if this was like a 24 episode or even a 12 episode anime i would be very annoyed by this but because it's a film you're expected i think there's different rules for films and for like series but you're kind of expected to get that punchline you're kind of expected to get it revealed to you and it always has to be in a sort of fantastical way it can't be anti-climactic and i want to also touch back on that whole um like i guess you can call it a theme but the whole thought press uh, process of memories themselves as it's revealed how she has all these you know memories that she's kept while watching satomi for these you know whatever nine ten years it's like i don't know if you if you noticed it like i did but when they were showing like the data in the research laboratory and it was showing like her memory clusters and how it was kind of like these huge clusters that were kind of separated by smaller gaps from things from when she was you know just the ai watching over satomi 
told me in the childhood to coming into now her having this AI robotic body and now creating all these new memories and how they even said that she was creating memories at such a, uh, such a fast rate and things like that but then not only from this whole AI aspect of it but how memories played a huge role in the overall theme of it from you know Satomi having the memory of Toma being her friend when they were young and still clinging on to that now bad memory that kind of influenced the future uh, then you also had them when they were getting their little victory party and taking pictures and they said well we're creating memories and Shion was like well I remember everything that I want to anyway and they're like that's not the point it's the act of going through with it so like I said so memories also played a huge part throughout all the subtext of the entire the entire story I, you know what else I, I enjoyed about the story before we get more into the characters was the way that the film sort of gives you little hints at the beginning that right. these are important things like for example as soon as you go into the electronics club room there's a massive sign that says no smoking and it's like you you think at the beginning when i saw that because it popped out at me and i was like it's a school who's going to be smoking in an <laughs> do you know what i mean common sense dictates that so i didn't know what was going on and, and the little joke with the trash can computer mm -hmm. i thought you know when i saw that i thought that that was a joke at, at apple's expense because they used to design a mac pro that looked people were sort of joking around and they say oh that looked like a trash can and i thought okay maybe that's a dig at apple but it actually meant something because that was a one piece of equipment that they didn't take you know what i mean and because they thought it was a trash can and it also happened to be the one piece of equipment that Xion uploaded her consciousness to because it it mentions because even when she's there she asks is that not a trash can you know what i mean so even she's asking about it so there's these little hints here and there and even before when you mentioned the thing where Shion says well I can't act without a command and that sort of leads later on and there's so many more things it's like the anime film leads you in such a way and it makes you think that one thing is gonna happen but at the same time puts other things in to then draw out the story from those smaller plot points right whether it is the trash can whether it's that line that says well I need a command that kind of stuff because I genuinely thought when I saw that she left and went over to the solar farm or the wind farm that she basically was gonna kidnap Toma and kill him. Like that's, my mind went there straight away, especially <laughs> when she was on the phone and it was cutting out and then Toma was like, please come, this and that. So I, I genuinely thought that she had gone rogue and I'm presuming Satomi thought the same thing cause she rushed out and went there. And I didn't expect this whole theatrical piece where everyone is singing and some of them are singing quite badly because that's their characters, but everyone's joining in. And that moment where she gets shot, I'll be real with you i cried at that moment because i'm like fuck and then when i saw the runtime and i was like it's an hour like there's an hour left of this film what the hell like what's gonna happen now like they shot her dead like what's gonna happen now in the, in the next half an hour and then it sort of transitioned from the slice of life movie to romance then coming of age and then it ended up being a heist film <laughs> you know what i mean like the italian job which i thought was quite odd because i didn't expect that to happen all in one movie well i can tell you probably a big reason as to why it had so many different uh, I'm going to say the term puzzle pieces here and you'll kind of see where I'm going with this in a minute is because again me being the nerdy person I am I had to see who was involved in this story and the screenplay was actually adapted by Ichiro Okochi which if you don't know that name I'm sorry but he's basically the creator and still writing Code Geass and a 
a bunch of other okay. very popular uh, anime series. So yeah, and like a lot of his themes and his stories are all about there being multiple little pieces of the same puzzle and also a lot of swerves. Like you never can really guess what's going to happen next. And it was satisfying. Don't get me wrong. Like if this was a 12 episode anime and then they're like, oh, like in the final episode, they reveal everything. I would be really annoyed because I'm like, why would you build it up for this long? And I feel that because it is a film, it worked out to be the way that it is, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. imagine if this was a 12 episode anime, because I don't think it would ever be a 24 episode anime. But if this was a 12 episode anime, I don't think it would succeed. I don't think it would be good. I'm probably a little bit opposite here. I'm not saying about if it would succeed or not. But after I watched it, I was imagining, I said, man, this could have been really good as like a season long 10, 12 no, episode anime because of the fact that everything wouldn't have felt as rushed. Not saying that it was rushed in a bad way, but they could have actually put out more information but potentially even more swerves and built out the story yeah. over like 10 episodes that's what i think i think it could have made the story grander it could have and i mean you could have done things like a flashback events you could have gone more into you know the childhood trauma side of things but then like would you make it like an erased right would you go in full-on childhood trauma like erased or would you make it more like plastic memories and i think that combined with the singing would not work at all do you see what i'm saying if you drew it out to be 10 or 12 episodes that means you need to put in more singing and i think would we be able to handle all of that singing in a 12 episode anime because this isn't really necessarily focused around singing that's just a plot point other than stuff like love live and k-on there aren't many anime that have levels of drama like this does that include singing Right. I definitely think it, it, it could have worked I and I would have just so. like I, I think that what they would have had is like just had like one song per episode of the Yeah, but then that would have been really annoying. Like I wouldn't want mm. one song per episode because then it would feel like a monster of the week but with music. I, I don't I don't agree with that. At the same time it would have been like, Oh, I wonder what the song's gonna be about this week. You're just proving my point. It's you've basically turned it into a monster of the week show, which I don't think this whiz. That's not always a bad thing. Like it's kinda like the, the the cherry on top if you enjoy the songs. No, I'm, I'm not saying I don't enjoy the songs. I really love the songs, but I think that overdoing it might make the anime, if you'd done it as a 12-episode anime, would make it incredibly tacky. Do you see what I mean? It will feel as though they're using it as a crutch to sort of fill out time. And I never felt within the film that they were filling out time with the music. But if they did adapt it into an anime, I felt as though you're going to get that more sort of high school musical-esque filling out time, five-minute-long song song that just is out of context or is just bolted on for the sake of it and i feel that if you did make this into an animated series it's gonna follow that it would be very difficult to adapt this into a 12 episode anime in my opinion I don't think so, but I mean, I guess that's where we'll. we'll the only way on I can see it working is that if we got to see. So, after the point where Xion basically gets her memories and retains them back, if we had. So, you know that bit where they actually infiltrate it? If you had a second core, because you know, like you have your first six episodes leading up to the. to this part where they infiltrate the building, right? And then you have the next three episodes going through the memories individually as episodes so that you can get more context of the memories i think that would work
work. So you could still have your songs in the same arrangement that it is within the same hour, two hours, right? Because that would make up six episodes. And then you have the other six episodes focusing on the memories and then you end off with the climax. That would work really well. But to do it as, you know, a weekly song thing might not necessarily work because there are certain things in which, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to know more about Satomi's childhood. I wanted to know about the relationship that her and Toma had, right? Because they are very interesting characters. That's what I, the only thing that I, that that I was saying is that you know if it had been like you know a ten episode anime versus a movie, they could have spent more time on things like that, you know, and even fleshing out more things with like the labs and the characters there, because like we really didn't see a whole whole lot about them and what their actual motivations, other than man no like woman. That was really about it. That's all that we got there. So I would have liked to have seen, like I said, just a little bit more fleshed out stuff if it were to ever be adapted into like a movie because you're i mean into a animated series so like like we were saying earlier so the movie's an hour and a half long if you turn it into a 10 episode show okay then you've now just basically just doubled that time that's all there is i completely agree on that point like there's certain things that i really wanted to know i wanted to know more about satomi's mother's struggle at work that would have been interesting to see i wanted to know like his sort of plot point and like how is he gonna sabotage how is it affecting his life how the parents are as well because i don't know if you know this but the main cast all of their parents work for the company it seemed like this hoshima labs they controlled the whole town basically like so all the ai was theirs the biggest building in this pretty rural area was their whole grandiose dual tower monstrosity in the middle of this like i said pretty much rural area so th that was a really big part of it that i would like to have seen them go in just a little bit deeper but at the same time do i think it would work better as one versus the other that's kind of hard to say but i thought it worked good with what they did do in this hour and a half movie it is a one shot right so right you can argue that we are looking too much into this but that's our job here i don't think it's a, a looking too much into it it's the fact that obviously i think that we both enjoyed the movie and that's kind of testament that where someone like me who would like to see more it's because i'm invested in it and because i liked it speaking of investments right characters what do you think of the characters in the show who would you say are your favorite characters i wouldn't say i have a least favorite character in the show because what i like about the characters is that everyone gets their own segment for character development through Shion, right? But in terms of my favorite character, I will have to say it's between Thunder and Toma. They are like my joint favorite character. Just like you, there's no like least favorite character and I can 100% see people liking pretty much any of these characters i mean toma definitely feels more and i don't mean this in any kind of derogatory way but he's kind of like that any man kind of character what like anyone can i just mean it as in anyone can look at him and his story um involvement in here and kind of I don't want to say sympathize, but also feel a connection with him. Yeah. Especially people like us that are kind of nerdy and people were calling him a nerd, you know, geek, whatever, because he was so into technology. And then people were saying how he was like a genius because he was able to write you know, AI since he was like eight years old. But and then at the same time, he was, you know, other than his little group of other geek friends, he was kind of an outsider. And like they would notice how he kept, you know, watching Satomi from a distance because they were childhood friends 
hands and he still clearly was like in love with her and all that kind of stuff so that that's just what I mean I mean it's one of those things where he's the type of character that you know anyone especially young people I think could get behind um as far as yeah and in Thunder Thunder's just a good guy all around he's you know a funny character you know what I love about Thunder there's that scene where he's like Shion will you go out with me yes no I was just getting ready to bring that I love the fact that he did not care in the slightest like he knew that she was just an AI but he still liked her in a way that sort of proved that the experiment was a success because mm -hmm. he didn't care mm -hmm. that she was an AI he, he fell in love with her and I think the reason why mm -hmm. is because of the level of growth that she added to his character she taught him something right and they shared a moment I mean when you know you technically they were dancing yes they were practicing judo but that was an intimate moment for him and I don't know it kind of reminded me I mean yes they are high school students it kind of reminded me of that student that you have and we keep on bringing him up we keep on bringing up this kid will sensei i want girlfriend that guy has the same energy as him very very similar energy, yeah actually uh, yeah. you know what it's weird i that was the first thing that came up in my head as soon as i saw that scene when he was like will you go out with me and obviously shion doesn't understand it and she's like yeah i would like to go outside like like she doesn't really understand what he means by that but like even after when shion quote unquote dies he's there and he puts shion's face on sundayu mm -hmm. and it's like <laughs> i thought it was cute yeah, it's cute, but I understand, like, it's not a creepy thing. Like, some people are like, oh, that's a bit weird. Like, why would he do that? It's not, it's not creepy. It's for, for motivation. Yeah, it it's for, for motivation, motivation because he, mm -hmm. he was struggling with coming to terms with himself and, and struggling with judo. The fact that he never won any tournaments. And I think it's because his approach to judo was wrong. He didn't see of it as, like, a dance. He didn't see it like that. And Shion had taught him that. So the way that he sees it, and even the fact that he was willing to go out to the electronics company by himself and fuck shit up he was going to do it by himself right and he had all this like baseball bats and things and it's kind of cute because he's thinking oh i can go up against them even though they're like a multi-billion dollar company with all this advanced tech and he's thinking with his little baseball bat and golf clubs that he can go and attack them but it's cute because it's like he's doing it not because I don't think he's like necessarily attracted to Shion, but I think it's more so because Shion taught him how to be human. And this is really weird because Shion does that with every single one of the characters, right? With Gochan, for example, he has this sort of complex where he feels inferior to everyone else. He's the popular guy. He's like the most popular guy See, in school. you stole my thunder. Like, you just went on this whole big rant after I just said my little piece. And you totally stole my thunder. I'm sorry, Will. This is just such Gochan. an exciting anime. I wanted to get back to Toma before you got on the whole rant here about, about thunder and everything. We'll touch on Gochan in a minute. But the thing about Toma, going back to him, is that I think... Honestly, like even though if you look at like listings for these characters, it lists him as just being a supporting character. But Toma was really the key of this entire story because he's the one that set off everything from all those years ago. And then Shion herself actually came to the revelation that she was like, because her, her order, her command was to make Satomi happy. But then she realizes 
later that the way to make Satomi happy was to make Toma happy by getting giving Toma the push to finally admit his feelings for Satomi to finally be honest with her and make that connection again even if it was just to be friends again like I said so he's he's the one that kind of set everything off and in the end he's the one that was pushing everybody he was the one that came up with all the ideas on like how they could you know rescue Shion he's the one that remembered having the storage unit he's the one that like I said going back to the little memory thing too he remembered everything and was able to connect dots that other people couldn't so like I said he was really the key in this whole factor you've mentioned online that it's stated that he is a supporting character right and I think mm -hmm. that's listed on purpose because if you listed Toma as a main character in the film people can put two and two together and say well that's actually Toma's commands right because even the way that Toma is speaking to Shion in the beginning it's as if he created Shion but obviously he doesn't know that right so part of me thinks that if they had listed Toma as a main character because he is for all intents and purposes Toma is a main character but if they had listed him as such then I feel as though it could have given things it, away it would have given things away pretty quickly yeah. now we can go back to talking about Golchan Golchan actually even though he is a supporting character he was actually my favorite character okay. in the show because of the fact that from the onset like the first kind of idea you get of him is this whole visage that he has of being the cool boy at school he was just so nonchalant about things acting like he didn't have a care in the world but i noticed it too as soon as like he was even talking with toma how he was like man you're amazing He's like, I, you know, wish I could do that. Or he's like, I'm a nobody. And then he said the same thing with Thunder. Or like, you know, anytime he discovered things that someone else could do, he was always putting himself down. And like, he just wasn't passionate about anything. And like, the whole time he kept thinking that, you know, like Aya, who, you know, they had obviously kind of like been your typical on again, off again, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend thing. I can't remember where it was mentioned at, but basically like he was talking about how he wished that he was looked at for more than just being good looking and athletic that he wished that he was smart and that he thought that Aya only basically had him as like a trophy she looked at him the same way that she looked at like a nice handbag and stuff like that which obviously we come to find out wasn't true at all she really did care about him and that's why like I think it was really neat when Satomi finally gave her the push to be honest with Golchan where she was like look she was like I look at you like I do because I care about you she's like I can tell when you're sad I can tell that you're struggling that you're hurting and I want to be there for you and like that just opened his eyes and his heart and he was like wow there is someone that actually truly does care about me and not just what I can do or what I look like he's the an opposite kind of character from me you know like I'm not the cool guy I'm not the suave guy I wasn't that guy when I was in high school and stuff like that but at the same time just knowing what it's like to struggle with self-esteem issues and never feeling like you're measuring up to those around you is very relatable I think to you know most anybody regardless of age. It's interesting because every one of these characters has something that they're dealing with which I find incredibly admirable and as you mentioned I mean with Gochan it's it's very relatable and I think even with Aya as well like what she's going through is quite relatable you know because it's not easy what she's going through and I think they've also mentioned like with Aya that there's 
certain things like she feels that she might not have the best relationship with her dad which i think that would have been interesting to delve in a little bit like you only hear about it for like a moment when they're when they steal the dad's key card and they were like oh i didn't know my dad's password was my birthday and i'm like okay like there was more to unpack with aya and i think aya i was a little bit disappointed with the fact that she could have got a little bit more character development i think her character mm -hmm. development is more so tied with gochan in a way yeah. which is a bit unfortunate i would have liked to have seen more with her because every other character got their own unique sort of story arc or mini sort of story arc with Shion a bit more like hers just was kind of like oh i'm jealous and then do you see what i mean she got over it and then she's like okay now we're friends yeah. now i will say though i love their little moment they had in the the little heist scene mm -hmm. where they were like the distraction where they were riding the yeah, that, little like cool. uni scooter and like they're both just like laughing and smiling even though they're kind of in danger and like when they zoom in on her face and she's just having the time of her life like just being with him and doing something with him to help people that they care about and then even when they're caught like how she just starts breaking out in the song even though she knows that they've already been made it was like it was just it brought warmth to her yeah i would agree it did bring a level of warmth to her and i think she's sort of sort of catching on with the whole Xion vibe of like bringing joy to people like do you know what mm -hmm. i mean like at first she was thinking it's weird that she's just randomly breaking out into song and then now she's she's doing the same she's doing the same mm -hmm. which i thought was pretty cool other than that what did you think of Xion? because i thought her character was quite interesting i mean i would have liked to have seen her when she was younger just to kind of get a feel of her family situation and what sort of led her to that event how her and toma were friends back then because you really get a small snippet because i don't know if they were friends from before third grade or if it was just the fact that they were friends during third grade they even talked about it they were like we were friends up through third grade and then we kind of stopped talking to each other so they had been like childhood friends i guess probably since you know kindergarten obviously you wouldn't have seen memories from Xion from that era 100 percent. but mm -hmm. it would have been nice to have seen memories either from like you know from toma or do you see what i'm saying it's kind of hinted at though too that they were like i said you know had been friends not just because they said it but because that was the whole reason why Toma even made the, the command on the Tomagachi in the first place to, you know, make Satomi happy because he knew what she had been going through with her parents getting divorced and all that stuff. And he just wanted to see her smile. Satomi as a character is just, I don't know, like she is for all intents and purposes, one of the main characters of this film. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I really like how she is as a character. There's not much I can describe because she's basically your typical protagonist. It's hard hard to expand upon her because she's very much what you see is what you get with her and with her being the actual vehicle that we are you know on this journey with you know through, through the whole thing it's hard to describe her more than like you say being your typical anime protagonist type character but at the same time like you're immediately from the first minute of her actually like kind of taking action shown that she is a very caring person because like when she goes in to make breakfast for her and her mom uh, we talked about earlier about how she realized that her mom was going to be kind of slow going in the morning and wanted to give her something easier to eat so she had like the rice cooker make the rice you know softer so it'd be easier to eat like just little things like that and then when she arrives to school and she sees the boys kind of 
bullying the little garbage can robot. She's like, what are you doing? You know, and then she tries to help it kind of a thing. And the fact that she actually went out and helped Toma as well. And she sort of ruined her reputation at school, you know, being known as well, the Tattletale Princess, right? Being known as that, she's ruining her reputation for the sake of her childhood friend. And I think that's very admirable. Mm -hmm. It's very respectable as a character. And I can't say bad things about this character because she's just a fantastic human being. That's, that's really what I can say about it. I mean, we also spoke a lot about Shion through the other characters. I will say this, Shion, and this is one of the reasons I love this film. Sorry, you, you asked me earlier what I thought about Shion and I never even got to get into that. Oh, okay. Well, you can get into that now, but I'm going to say this one thing because I don't have much to say on Shion because we kind of went through talking about Shion with the other characters in relation to the other characters. But I will say this, Shion obviously is the reason why this film exists. But at the same time, Shion kind of teaches the characters to be human, which is weird coming from an AI. You don't expect that. And yeah, we kind of seen this sort of trope before, like with plastic memories. It's a similar sort of idea that's been used in anime before, but I don't know. It, I feel as though there's certain media at times that affects my life in a certain way. It makes me teach something so it either gets me out of depression or something like that. Like, you know, like Toradora was like that for me with anime or um, a, a game called giraffe and anika was like that for me and i feel that this film for me really taught me what it means to be human because you're seeing humanity as a robot right you're seeing humanity from the perspective of someone who isn't human who's trying to become human and you can emulate that in your own life like i was saying to jordan yesterday i know i keep on referring jordan but it's because we recorded yesterday so i, I said to him that what stops us as human beings to be more like Shion? it might be weird and there might be that initial like why would you why would you start singing randomly like people will think you're crazy but we saw that Shion was just so nice as a robot as a classmate that people thought she was incredibly like people made her popular and she didn't even care about the popularity all she cared about was making uh, Satomi happy right so how come in our lives we don't have that goal right and this is why I'm saying we can learn a lot from Shion here how come we don't have that goal to make others around us happy right whether it's our close friends our family or just just a random person on the street like wave and say hello to your neighbors once in a while you know what i mean like i don't know it, and it's interesting because even towards the end when they were talking about uploading her to the internet and stuff like that and the idea that there'll be a world full of shions and i can't remember it was it was thunder that said it thunder was like you know what that would be great a world full of shions would be great and it's true a world full of shions would be great and i think i don't know i think we all need to learn something from shion and kind of you know be more happy well like you you brought up about how you, you think like Xi'an was teaching us to be human I don't think that's the, the right word in this it's not about being human it's about being vulnerable it's about being open and honest because that's what it all came down to is that not what it means to be human there's a level of honesty there's a level of you know putting yourself out there vulnerability because that's what makes us uniquely human right like if you think about it computers don't feel vulnerable computers don't feel like embarrassed that's what I'm but I'm getting at here is that because the fact that she wasn't worried about embarrassing herself and everything she was just you know saying hey this is me putting herself out yeah but that's there. what and i'm that's, saying that's... we all need to be like that that's what i meant by teaching us to be human i'm not saying she's teaching the characters to be like that because it wasn't for the character's benefit you know shion's actions uh, well, yes it was for the character's benefit but shion's demeanor wasn't for the character's benefit they're not going to look at shion and say well you know what i'm going to be more like her i mean it's more so for us as the viewer we look at shion and we say well you know what what 
what prevents me from being like that? Well, that's what I mean by she's teaching us, the listeners. She's giving us an example on what I think, you know, a perfect world oh. humanity would be, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like I said, I think it it, uh, it boils down to, you know, honesty, openness, and letting ourselves be vulnerable. That's that's what it is. If you want to say that's, you know, teaching us to be human, then so be it. But that's what I, I took from her, like, as a character. Plus, I just, you know, going back to what I thought of her as a character just straight up she's adorable i loved her i don't know how to describe it without just saying her cute mouth and smile okay just the the way that she looked you know just from a visual aspect i i know what um, you mean but it, i it's incredibly difficult to sort of portray that with yeah. words but i i do know what you mean. no it is she's just very bright yeah I guess yeah. it would be the word. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the long and short of it. Going on to that, we didn't really speak about the audiovisual component, and this is something I really want to spend a little bit of time on. So we'll speak about the art style and animation first. I will say something here. It feels as though a lot of anime films in this modern era look exactly the same. I don't know if that's a trend. I was thinking the exact same thing about the only one that, like, I will say from this genre style of anime films, the only one of recent years which really it's not all that recent now that i thought had its own distinct look was a silent voice okay yeah. but i mean you know that was you know uh, kyoto animation mm. which like i said you can't really compare them to anyone else it's in my opinion because the silent voice did give me that sort of k-on vibe because it is kyoto animation but i know what you mean because when i saw this film i was like in a way it kind of does remind me of the other more recent anime films like you know weathering with you your name yeah that it's it, the, the style of these characters and just the 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 i don't want to say the detail but you know the design of the actual like landscape the world the buildings the buses everything really it felt just like one of those movies and i don't mean that in a bad no, no, way it's not bad but it's like you said they all kind of look very similar yeah. but i will say going along with that everything i thought looked great in this movie like i would have loved to have been able to have seen this on the big screen uh i kind of regret not having that opportunity because uh just something about being able to see beautiful visuals on a big screen like that just really emphasizes them and i think that you know for this being a jc staff production it does show that they still kind of have it yeah. in a way because they've kind of like gotten a lot of grief lately from you know when they took over production of like one punch man i'm like okay you gotta understand they're not the same type of studio that bones was you know or with their newer seasons of uh date alive uh they weren't quite up to par with what most fans I think were it's, wanting it's possibly because of the fact that jc staff has sort of built themselves a reputation with the certain genres of anime that they tend to go for so it might be a bit of a shock for people like you said with fans of one punch you know going from one punch which was you know studio bones and going into right. this or even you know other stuff that jc staff has done like toradora golden time it's you know it's apples and oranges at that point they definitely show that they can still do popular because here's it because i mean i don't know if you watch it or not but you know that they that they do you know is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon which like that show 
Mando every season has looked great so far. But for me with Dan Machi, I always kind of felt as though it wasn't the best work from JC because with JC, like a lot of their stuff sort of focuses on cutesy, you know what I mean, right? That sort of fun, vibrant, you know, shoujo anime. And I think Dan Machi is quite, it's not always the most vibrant, but that we're not talking about Dan Machi here. We're talking about this show. And I think right. it, it kind of does lack a certain uh, je ne sais quoi when you're looking at animation very closely because there are times where frames just like, you know, those derpy faces that you get in anime sometimes. Well, say the only thing that I really noticed as a knock on this is like there were scenes where some characters were like talking and you could see, you know, people in the background, but they were just static. It was like they drew them in that one pose and just left them. Like I mostly noticed it like when stuff when they were talking in the bus or in the hallway of the school. So, but at the same time, you're not supposed to be focusing on that. I'm just a type of person that does. You know, that's interesting because I think Kevin mentioned that in Oremo. Like that was an issue with Oremo that there was just static and they would reuse it. So it's, it's stuff like that. I imagine probably because it is a film. Yeah, they don't want you to focus on the background characters, but even then the backgrounds themselves are really well drawn and beautifully animated. Even if you're looking at landscapes or that scene with all the fireworks and the lights, that in itself, I would say like, I don't think I've seen animation as beautifully made as that in my life which it goes to say because I know for a fact that that wasn't hand drawn like that wasn't done on a computer that wasn't done on a tablet there was some parts that were 3D animated but when I looked at are, it are you are you talking about the part uh, with the first scene with like the fireworks stuff or are you talking about when they were in the labs actually I was talking about the first bit you know the first bit okay. with the fireworks and then the bit where they're having the song accompanying that that bit in particular because you're not noticing it as much like all of the fireworks and stuff like that they can't they wouldn't have been able to do that like traditional animation style that would have been 3d animated but i like saying this a lot on kunai good 3d animation is 3d animation that you don't notice if that makes sense so like for example mm -hmm. if you're looking at overlord with you know when momonga summons those um Undead oh my army. god and it's it's the shittest animation right because you can notice it's like bad 3d because they're skeletons momonga's also a skeleton yet he's not in 3d but you could tell with this show that you don't see that that was such a meme <laughs> it, it, that's what i'm saying it's a meme but it's like with this film you don't notice it and it adds to it the one thing I will say is that you mentioned that scene with the robots dancing as well. I did notice the 3D animation there and I was like, eh. I, I couldn't knock the film solely based on that, but it was just like a bit disappointing, especially after seeing what great work they did with the 3D animation for the fireworks scene. And then it's like, oh, the robots dancing. It's pretty obvious that they didn't <laughs> get the lighting correct on that. Now, I, I'll say like going on with that, I love the whole ending sequence and like, you know, with the message written in the lights, all the lights like how it kind of like you goes like up the yeah. up the towers of the buildings and then all the lights coming on in the town around it just everything going off and you know then the the big you know light energy beam coming from this from the satellite dish up into the sky i thought that whole sequence was just beautiful you know one thing that i will mention is that you said initially that it was it's sort of disney-esque right with the music mm -hmm. and and things like that and and it reaches that crescendo yeah and it's weird because i will say this people listening don't hate me for this but my favorite disney film will you might be thinking why is he talking about this my favorite disney film is beauty and the beast that's my 
favorite Disney film. Nothing wrong with that. Great film. It's a great film, but it's like, why are you talking about this on an anime podcast? I really saw a lot of similarities between this and Beauty and the Beast, if that if that makes sense. And do you know where it was? It was like when the robots were dancing, like the trash cans and stuff like that. It felt very... There was a... Oh, you know what I'm yeah. There's a song... Uh-huh. Um, Lumiere sings in, yep. in Beauty and the Beast. Be no, no, not that one. Guess. When he was talking oh, about really? um, being human again. There's a song, oh, a song right. about that. And then there's all of these inanimate objects, teacups and like uh, feather dusters and like the curtains and the piano yeah. were just like dancing. And it was just mm-hmm. like, it reminded me of that. And even those scenes where they go back to that... Um, that film that Satomi was watching as a child, even when you look at the ballroom dresses and the way that the princes are dressed, and I'm like, is this, yeah. were, they, were they inspired by Beauty and the Beast? Because well, I mean, it felt like that. Clearly, clearly the, the movie that Satomi has, you know, been infatuated with since she was a child was a Disney movie. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> There's such strong influences in this whole movie, you know? Which, I mean, it also, it's another thing because it, it it also grounds the film in reality because a lot of people love Disney Can relate films to it. exactly there's a lot of kids that would have watched Disney films growing up and you know that they still do love Disney to this day and you know there are people that are fanatics in the same way that there are you know I, I I'm gonna call them Disney otaku for a lack of a better term you know what I mean like they are fan, big fans of Disney in the same way that you know we have big fans of anime and big fans of cars and and all sorts so it's incredibly interesting to see that and I related to that a lot because fun fact will don't know if you know this but i mentioned beauty and the beast but i was one of those kids that i did have a favorite disney film and i'd watch it constantly and this is back in the day where you had vhs tapes i'd watch beauty and the beast constant just because it was such a good film it, it really is i mean there's a reason it was nominated for an oscar not just for animation but you know for best picture good stuff it is good stuff and i was really like impressed by that um, are, are there anything else that you have to say about the animation? No, I think we've pretty much touched on it all. I won't say it's like 10-10 animation, but I would definitely still give it, you know, high marks across the board. It's not like you're expecting it to be 10 out of 10 animation because it's not something that you're going to be watching week to week. In most cases, you're going to watch it one or two times and then move on. For JC staff, I mean, I think it looks really dang good. Mm, agreed, agreed. Speaking of really damn good, see that segue? I I was proud of it. What do you think of the voice acting? I will say this. Normally on Kunai, we either say, okay, watch the anime dub or sub. And the person suggesting the anime would make that clear which one we need to watch. I asked Will, we need to watch both sub and dub. And Will, do you know the reason I asked you? No, please Because I, I wanted to know your opinion. What do you prefer in this context, the sub or the dub? And I'm not here to put you on spot here or and I'm not going to judge you, but I'm really intrigued to know. Most people that know me and you know me know that i'm like one of those guys i'm like 90 percent sub 10 percent dub you know i am just i'm not a dub guy i mean of course i cut my teeth on dubs when i was a kid but you know it, it depends on the anime i will say overall just because of the japanese centric not just location but kind of characterizations things like that overall i'm still going to say that i would like the sub more um i i thought their 
the voices were like perfect with the characters now that being said i did watch the sub before i watched the dub because i wanted to have it to do a basis of against the dub with but let's say it's one of those things if someone was like hey do you want to watch a movie with me oh sure where do you want to watch uh, I want to watch this movie, you know, uh, sing harmony, um, excuse me, sing a bit of harmony. I'd be like, oh, cool. And then if they put it on the dub, be perfectly fine watching it. I thought that the dub cast did great. I will say that I actually like very much Golchan and Toma both in the dub. Um, as far as, you know, the voices went, I actually liked the dub singing yeah. voice with Xion more than the sub. This is where I come in because for me, I agree with you. Like I'm normally 90% sub, 10% dub. And it's usually on a case by case basis. Like everyone knows my feelings on certain dubs. Like I'm a big fan of like Pantheon Stocking, it's dub and you know, like Black Lagoon. Like I feel that those shows are just far better suited for the dub than the sub, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm totally down on the Black Lagoon dub. Now I'm one of those people I've watched it both ways and i've loved the japanese too but it's just there's something just so much more punchy this film is very japan centric but at the same time i don't feel as though it is japan centric if that makes sense because in a way you could have set this in america and it still would have worked because there are those those sort of towns in which it's basically comprising of a particular company and its workers and their children right that's you know you kind of get those in like quite rural parts of it of the u.s so i could see that working there but that's not the point my point is the reason why i'm leaning towards the dub rather than the sub both of them are great and i mean you've got great voice act you've got like really huge voice actors in the japanese dub compared to the the english dub you know the reason why i'm leaning toward the english dub is because of the music i'll give that honestly you know i mean i i loved the music in both versions but like i said that kind of goes along with where i said i love the the, the english voice <clears throat> for Xion singing just something like i was actually able to get more into the music with the dub yeah. because i wasn't having to worry about just reading the lyrics i was actually able to understand it so i got more that way it's it's very interesting because you're mentioning about understanding it and it's not that these songs are just like you know like that you have your opening and your endings and they're not you're not really going to relate to them because you don't understand the meaning behind the music right but because of the tempo and because the, the musics are like ballads they're telling a story right in the same way as you've got your beauty and the beast all of the songs there are ballads and they're telling stories right so it makes more sense to listen to it in your own language right because mm -hmm. you can relate to it you can understand what it's saying and it makes scenes more emotional because there's a lot of storytelling in this film that is not being told through dialogue and it's not being told through animation it's being told through song and that's incredibly unique and that's incredibly interesting and i i will say bravo bravo uh megan megan shipman i was just getting ready to ask you so 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 did did megan shipman actually do the singing part as well because okay because yeah she she not it out of the park as far as i'm i'm concerned i with confirmed with jordan um on our recording they basically so i there was someone at funimation i can't remember the name but it was if you guys want to know who did like who translated it over to english and who like sort of adapted it for english check out the previous episode that we did because jordan talks about all their names my apologies for not remembering but jordan was mentioning that there is someone at funimation that basically they're there to localize the song and actually make it fit within the tune and actually
to make it sound like a real song and not just like a translation. And then yeah, it is Megan singing in the same way that even the, the other parts where they're singing together, that's all the other voice actors singing, you know, where they're singing terribly, right? When you have Toma, it's all of them that the whole cast is singing. I would say in their mismatched voices in that particular scene, I actually think had a little bit more reality yeah. to it compared to the Japanese. Because it's that's the whole thing is, is that a lot of Japanese voice actors and actresses are actually also singers. So I noticed like even in the part in the Japanese when where um where Tomo was like getting the lyrics wrong and supposed to be singing bad, he still didn't sound that awful. But then when you got to Jordan, I don't know if he actually can sing or not, but he was able to portray him basically messing up the song a whole lot better, I felt. And I think that's down to the direction. I mean, like Caitlin Glass, I didn't know this until Jordan told me yesterday, but Cla Caitlin Glass is the ADR director for this film. And I was completely shocked. And I'd imagine that would be part of, you know, her directing to say, you got to sing this song like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it does add that level to reality that you don't get in the Japanese voiceover, which is, it's incredible. The length they went to to actually get this done like i will say this there's the way that they recorded this was because it's covid right so imagine having to dub over a film during covid in the united states it's incredibly difficult right they had to come in and they were recording in isolation so they went into the studio they did their bits and they went out so they didn't get to see the other people the other people weren't in front of them and they weren't playing off them if that makes sense so that was incredibly difficult to do by itself but then you've got actors such as the voice actor for Satomi, Risa May, she's based in California. So imagine she wasn't in Texas when everyone else was in Texas recording this. She was based in California. So there there would have been some level of like long distance recordings and things like that. And that's incredibly complex. And I think us as anime fans in general, we, we tend to forget the amount of work that goes into a localization and a dub, especially a dub that is as good as this one. Like even even, even like Thunder, like Cayman Casey as Thunder. Man, I, I felt that Thunder's voice in English was far better in Japanese because you kind of felt Thunder's love if that makes sense, right? You felt his you felt his emotions a lot more. And I, I don't know, like it, it just works really well. And especially because you're also having to match the voices to the lip flaps, you know, when they're talking, which is incredibly t difficult to do when they're talking. But imagine having to match that with singing. That's, it's just incredible and it blows my mind. And, you know, I'm just genuinely really impressed with the whole voice cast. And a lot of the actors are quite new or they've done roles that were really, major roles in anime or films some of them would be doing like supporting roles or you know additional voices and things like that but you know i i think even for like jordan this was like to date this is like his the biggest project that he's worked on and i think it's the same for a lot of the voice voice cast he was i think like you know if you're gonna 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 you know do an english dub i thought he was perfect for toma 100 percent, he is so. I, and to be honest with you all the other voices i can't see them any other way like even shion's voice like the voice matched the energy that Shion has, right? And just the joy that Shion brings. This is one of my personal, you know, 
kind of, I guess you'd say, bias against dubs that so, so many times to me, because I almost always watch the sub before I watch the dub, because, you know, until recent years, of course, when they started doing simul dubs and all that type of stuff, I always had the opportunity to watch a subtitled show before the dub ever even came out, or like if the dub did come out, by the time that, you know, episode one would come out in English, there would already be six, seven, eight episodes out in Japanese, so that's what I was going with, because I didn't want to wait. So I will say that that this is definitely not that case at all, where all the voices I felt matched the characters very, very well. Going back talking about Kate and Glass, like how we were we were talking just briefly before we started to actually record about how like you know I told you I've I've been down with her for a long, long time for as a voice actress and as working you know in ADR and things like that. Like I'm that nerdy guy that I always want to know who's involved behind the scenes who's who's writing scripts who's writing the screenplays who is producing things like that so you know and I went into this completely blind I'm like I don't want to be spoiled by anything since you brought this up to me I'm like let me just go in let me watch it let me get my honest and true opinions don't let me see like any names here or anything that might influence one thing or the other so let me just enjoy it take my notes and then I'll go in and see who did what and when I saw her name pop up I'm like well that's why it sounds good 100% and I mean like it's really rare sometimes that you get such a coordinated production like this because you, you know you kind of expect it from the Japanese voiceovers right because there's a standard in Japan and I think the Japanese audience expects the voice actors to perform a certain way because a lot of them are considered celebrities right like you wouldn't say the same thing about voice actors in the western world yes there are some they're like mega celebrities now you know what I mean like I, I'm not gonna name names but you know what I'm talking about I would say like if you want to put it in like Japanology lots of voice actors and voice actresses are almost on the same level as like idols yeah in Japan. 100%. Like they have, there's such a industry focus on seiyus and sometimes I think that there are certain projects that might not be the best but because they've got a certain seiyu it's gonna sell you know what I mean or you know what I mean like there's certain things that aren't necessarily as popular but because they've got a particular voice actor it's gonna sell well when I think in the west it doesn't matter as much as long as the voices are good you know I'll be honest with you I didn't know anyone on this list I mean yes I do know of Caitlin from her previous works but when I got the press release the only name that I realized was was, was Jordan and that was it for me after looking into it the only names that I kind of really knew were Caitlin and then Ian Sinclair because he's been around for as long as I can remember in English dubbing as well like he's actually not not too much younger than myself <laughs> it's just fantastic the voiceover the music as well I mean we can't talk about this show without talking about the music and it is incredible it's incredible and I will say this I don't know well if, if you agree with me but but if they released the songs as an album, I would be listening to it quite a bit. I actually have, you know, some anime music CDs, okay. things like that. So, you know, I'm one of... I would definitely sing along with some of these songs. So, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. And to be honest with you, I'm going to go out there and say it. I prefer the English songs over the, over the Japanese. And I wouldn't be listening to the Japanese songs as much. But if... Funimation, Funimation, please steal this idea because I know you can do it. If you guys could release it on Spotify, like just isolate the songs, release it on Spotify or when you release the Blu-ray, like put in like a special disc that has all the songs on there. I mean, honestly, that would be like the perfect 
perfect like pack-in of you know a, a blu-ray dvd i would love that that would be to have the music yeah well like sometimes you even get that with you know anime here in japan you know like actually anime music is kind of a i don't want to say it's like a big deal but almost any even moderately popular anime that will release you know some of the songs on cds and stuff like i you know you know me i love new game i've got the new game cds you know and even though it's these cute girl songs i'm sitting there singing along with them you know or like there like there was an anime a few years ago called and happy that i just absolutely love the op i sing right along with it like i said there's nothing wrong with that and especially if the music is good why not like you know what i mean other than that i think there's not much else to say because i did mention you know the certain things i didn't like throughout the episode and in terms of overall opinion well, who would you recommend this film to and would you recommend it to others? I mean, I would definitely recommend it to others. I think it just really depends on, on who you talk to. Now, you know as well as I do that just in my personal opinion that it seems to me like, you know, as far as Western anime fans go, a lot of them are really still kind of, um, without sounding demeaning about it, stuck in that whole shonen, shonen yeah, battle I agree with you. type stuff. I wouldn't recommend it to someone like that, but if it's someone that you know that watches different type types of anime, people that are into, you know, just fun kind of adventure shows, or people are into music shows like a K on something like that, anyone like that, definitely recommend this too. Uh, for me, it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that, you know, you wouldn't recommend it to big shonen fans and you know that kind of stuff and i agree with you because it's very difficult to go like i've met a lot of people recently um especially through work and speaking to them and asking hey what what kind of anime are you into and they're like yeah i'm into dragon ball i'm into demon slayer i'm into all this kind of stuff and then as soon as you tell them what anime you're into and they're like oh i'm sorry i'm not into you know that kind of romance that kind of slice of life genre yeah. And I think, yes, it's the Western anime community is sort of leaning more so towards uh, shonen, just because a lot of people grew up on shonen, if that makes sense. But I will suggest this show, but not to anime fans at all, actually. If you're new to anime, give this show a try. If you're someone that, you know, goes out to the cinema a lot and wants to watch random things, or if you've got one of those unlimited cinema passes, I don't know if that's a thing in the US, but we have them in the UK. If you're paying for an unlimited cinema pass, go and watch this film. You're going to enjoy it even though it's anime and i know there's a lot of stigma against anime and some people are like Ugh, anime but don't think of it as anime let's put, put it this way you know i'm not saying i'm trying to compare this to a, a, a ghibli movie but how many people back in the day went to watch ghibli movies in the theater not even realizing they were watching anime it's kind of like that i think the reason being is because back in the day those studio ghibli films were distributed by disney obviously disney's behind it they're putting their money behind it you know they're i don't know if they're sort of lobbying for like oscar nominations and that kind of stuff and they pretty much drove the hype of films like the studio ghibli films and it sort of created its own cult following that there are people that i know right that have seen studio ghibli films before watching you know animated series like when we did that interview with tfl uh when i was speaking to anthony he mentioned he got started from studio ghibli films it was just mainly watching anime films and i think if you are someone that wants to get into anime anime films are a good way to get into it i think this film if you're watching it especially if you're watching it dubbed it's very accessible it's very accessible very relatable i think every one of us can relate to this film even if we're not anime fans just piggybacking on to you know what you're saying here 
premiere it's like i wouldn't even say you know don't even just be like oh it's an anime film it's just it's an animated feature film yeah and i think that's how it should be portrayed i mean a lot of the time when we say anime film i think people sort of get the idea of like you know mugen train for example or you know like the dragon ball films because those are films that are linked to an animated series and you know they aren't the most accessible because you would have need to have seen the series first before watching the film in most cases but this is a film that you can go into the cinema watch it and be done with it that's the beauty of it and i think that's one of the reasons why we've done this sort of pilot on kunai today is because we've noticed and i think with kunai we started off being new to anime at least when we started when it was me and kevin and and tyson and stuff when we started we were all very very new to anime and the idea behind kunai was that we were getting into anime and i think a lot of the anime choices and a lot of the anime that we're watching now i've noticed that they're not always the most accessible and the easiest way into anime the most accessible way into anime for newcomers and people that aren't necessarily otaku or people that don't play japanese games that will lead them into anime is by watching anime or animated feature films like this one like your name like a silent voice like any of the ghibli films like do you see what i mean so that's really why we done this on kunai and i would recommend this to to everyone i you know i would i would think that if i showed this to my mom she would enjoy it so it's it's kind of like that thing where imagine if you went into a pub right and you showed the people at the pub this film would they enjoy it or would they think it's weird and i think they'd enjoy it but let's not talk about the pub if you went and you brought it to your mom we'll call this the mum test if you went and you brought this anime to your mum would your mum understand it would your mum enjoy it and i think this passes the mum test my mum would love this anime i think and i think she would enjoy it as well i know my mom would because she loves stuff like you know like your disney movies and like frozen stuff like that so (laughs) so yeah it it does it does pass the mum test so that's I don't know if this is a thing that we're going to continue with the animated feature films and, and stuff for Kunai. Does it pass does, the mum test? Does it, does it pass the mum test? And if it does, it's a great film. And I think this does. This does pass the mum test. But that being said, Will, thank you for coming on on this pilot for Kunai. You know what? I'm glad you enjoyed this film 100% because I loved it as well. I genuinely did. And I think this is one of the best films to do for this new Kunai pilot. So thank you, Will, for coming on. Well, you're very welcome. And you know, like someone that's as picky as me, that if I liked it, that that you know should bode well for it. it not saying that I have super elitist taste. Well, it's or not anything necessarily like that. that. I think it's you've been in the anime community for such a long time. You've seen great shows, but equally you've seen some really dog shit shows as well. And I mean, and I'm the first to admit that some of those dog shit shows I really like. But at the same time, I could admit that they're dog shit. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying because you've been around for so long. You've seen how the community has grown. So it's it's like I think people really do respect your opinions because you've been around for so long and you've seen how the community has changed you've interacted with the community and you know it's a very valuable asset and a very valuable talent to have but yeah thank you will for coming on and big thanks to our sponsors japan crate crunchyroll in addition to that big thanks to sony pictures entertainment as well as funimation uk and funimation us as well as all the voice actors that we've managed to get speaking to and actually getting to know more about how this film was made if you do want to check this episode out you can do it might be one of the previous episodes where we had jordan dash cruz on talking about his role and just the 
sort of day-to-day -day of how this film was dubbed and that process behind that because it's always nice to learn more about the anime industry what goes on behind the scenes and by the time this kunai episode comes out this would have already exited theaters and the reason why we did that was because yes we do talk about spoilers on kunai but we felt that we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to watch the film first before we give our opinions on the film and things like that so we wanted to give you guys time to watch it and then time to join in the discussion with us so i don't know whether or not this film will make its way to funimation through the streaming service but i will assure you by the time you're listening to this blu-rays would have come out so go and support this show buy yourself a blu-ray uh, maybe buy yourself two, maybe buy yourself five Blu-rays because I think this is a film to keep and to watch and to sort of cherish for years to come. And yeah, that being said, bye. So long.